Welcome to another life-impacting message from City Light Church. You can find more great content like this online at citylight.church. I'm going to begin tonight by asking, who has heard the following four words before? I told you so. Who knows those words? A few murmurs. Oh, okay, it's just me. (laughs) It's this statement of pride where one person will assert to the other person that they were right and should have been listened to. I've been married now for about five months. We're still alive. This is my, my wife, Kim, down the front. We are both still alive and have spent much more time with Kim in this five months than perhaps when we did uh, while we were dating or engaged. And much of this time has been spent discussing the best ways of doing things. And how easy would it be to say, I told you so, when the outcome of a decision would go well or perhaps poorly. Thank God that I married a gracious woman uh, who thankfully doesn't throw my mistakes in my face. Um, you're probably wondering why we sort of talking about this. Well, we've been journeying through Isaiah over the last 15 weeks and we've seen and will continue to see the many prophecies that Isaiah gave uh, to the people of God uh, that were neglected by the people and eventually came to pass. It would have been so easy for Isaiah to stand before the people and say, I told you so. Why didn't you listen to me? And yet this was the life that Isaiah led for for approximately 60 years, uh, giving the people of God a message that they would not listen to. Isaiah prophesied to the people of God uh, almost 700 years before Jesus was born. Uh, And the first 39 chapters uh, of the book focus on the judgment that God had for his people uh, that had turned their backs on him. Time after time after time, uh, the people and their leaders uh, would turn from God and pursue worldly alliances, pursue uh, worldly prosperity. And this all leads up to the exile uh, of the people at the hands of the Babylonian Empire that uh, we came to in chapter 29. And now Isaiah speaks to a people uh, who have been in exile for some time. He brings a message of hope to hopeless people. God will bring you out of exile. A servant will come to restore you back to God. And God will provide an everlasting deliverance. And they respond by saying that God has neglected them in their captivity, challenging the might of God. And so uh, God spends some time answering their complaints uh, by saying that he sent them into exile out of judgment, not neglect, for it was uh, due to their lack of faith. And that, as a result, is going to have to do a new thing. A servant is to be sent, empowered by God's Spirit. In chapter 49, a new servant, Israel, uh, is talked about to be sent to announce the kingdom of God, to restore Israel and to be a light to the nations, uh, perhaps alluding to the messianic king from chapters 9 and 11. And we'll see tonight that Isaiah speaks of how this servant will accomplish God's mission. A servant that is rejected, beaten and killed by his own people. A servant that dies for the sin of his own people. 
a servant that is a sacrifice of atonement. And all this to restore the people's relationship with God. Isaiah features four servant songs, uh, as Tyler kind of talked a bit about last week. Uh, So four songs concerning this servant that was to come. And the scriptures kind of speak of of a servant in, I guess, four general ways. Initially as as Israel. Uh, Israel was to be the servant of God. And then the remnant of Israel, as, as we've seen earlier in Isaiah, the people that remain faithful. Perhaps as individual servants like Moses or David. Um, they're both referred to in the scriptures as servants of God. But ultimately, the servant of God is to be Christ. Last week, Tyler spoke on the first three uh, of the servant songs. And tonight we're going to have a look at the fourth, which is a, a real clear description uh, of the substitutionary atonement of the servant, the, the sacrifice of Christ. A servant that was uh, sent and willingly went to suffer and die for our sins. Before we get into it, uh, we'll pray and then we'll, yeah, tuck in. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for uh, sending Isaiah to bring your message to your people. Uh, Lord, thank you that uh, your word remains true and remains um, active for us today. I pray tonight as we delve into uh, chapters 52 and 53 that uh, you speak to each of us tonight, that we uh, come to gain a greater understanding of of who you are and what you've done for us. May this time be a time when we can uh, lay aside you know, the things that are going on in our life and, and open our hearts and our minds to what you have for us. Uh, so be with us tonight and speak to each of us in Jesus' name. Amen. So the fourth servant song, the big I told you so, perhaps. The fourth servant song uh, gives us a real clear picture of this coming event, who, as I said, we know as Jesus. <coughs> If you'd like to read with me, if you've got your Bibles there, we're going to have a look at Isaiah 52 from verse 13. Feel free to follow along. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told, for, excuse me, for that which has not been told them they see, and that which they have not heard they understand. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like the root out of dry ground, he had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. 
All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned, every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, was stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death. Although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Can you imagine Isaiah up in heaven with God as Jesus is on earth and facing uh, rejection, facing uh, his crucifixion? I told you so. Have hope. You know, everything that Isaiah had, had prophesied, had said, you know, have, have hope in your exile. It had come true and yet the world seemed blind to it. You know, Isaiah prophesied and, and, and now as Christians we see um, that what he, what he said was about Jesus. The final result of Jesus' punishment was his death. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. John's Gospel reads like this. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him and the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you, that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. This whip that Jesus would have been flogged with uh, had several cords, each with a piece of bone or metal at the end, and it would absolutely mutilate a man's body. Many were against Jesus, as verse 14 read. There were, you know, there were crowds that screamed, crucify. Jesus was 
the branch that was to come from Jesse's line that Isaiah speaks of earlier in his, in his writings. He was to be an ordinary man. You know, the kings of the Old Testament were seen as, as handsome, um, especially masculine. But there was nothing in, in Jesus' appearance that was desired by men. He was ordinary, humble. You know, there was so much said in, in the prophecies before him, and yet the people were blind to it. He came and they were blind. Many people believe Jesus to be suffering for his own sin. And yet, as Isaiah writes, he suffered for our sins. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. He wasn't the sinner. He wasn't the criminal. We were. You know, the, the people of God that were in exile. And yet, willingly, Jesus dies in our place. Like a lamb, a lamb led to the slaughter. He didn't fight back. He didn't justify himself. He didn't try to avoid or prolong his death. You know, and verse 9 in, in the Isaiah passage we read, and they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Jesus was hung on a cross between two thieves. He died with the wicked, as it says and then was laid in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. And as it reads, with a rich man in his death. You know, we can see clearly the servant that, that God sends, that God, that Isaiah said was to come, is Jesus. That much is clear to us now. And Jesus went through all of this to bring hope, to bring righteousness and redemption for God's people. To bring the hope that Isaiah preached. The servant will bear sins and attain righteousness for the sinner. Jesus restores God's people from their spiritual exile and returns them to life with the Father. He returns us to life with the Father. But what does this all mean? Why is Isaiah's prophecy of Jesus here worth knowing about? What difference does it make? You know, like we read that it was that Isaiah, what Isaiah prophesied, and then we read in the New Testament that this was Jesus. We work it all out, and then what? What, what does that mean to us? Why? Why does it matter to us? What is to know about this? Firstly, God is sovereign. God has a plan for his people. 
You know, as, as Isaiah said to the people, you weren't in exile because God neglected you. You're in exile because God judged you. And he's bringing hope to you. He has a plan for, for, he had a plan for his people then and he has a plan for his people now. A plan to redeem and to restore, to build a new Jerusalem. To build a new covenant with his people. To return us to life with him, life as we were, to cre- as, as we were created to live before the fall. He has a plan to care for his people. This isn't supposed to just make us feel good. You know, we aren't supposed to, to know this and, and just be satisfied and you know, continue on our, our road, continue on our journey and, and, and just feel a bit happy about life. We're supposed to know and understand that this prophecy came true in Jesus for us, that the hope that Isaiah uh, spoke about is for us. We need to understand the weight of what Jesus went through for our salvation. You know, he was flogged, he was beaten, he was crucified, and these, this was the punishment that was for us. This, this was meant for us. We deserved that, not him. He died a criminal's death. And all of this was prophesied in such detail 700 years before it was to happen. It seems very clear, to me at least, that God does have a plan for us. You know, how does... How, does, how do we even fathom that? Like, how does God so carefully, um, so carefully have Isaiah prophesy the details of Christ and then it comes true 700 years later? How, how is any man to know that? It seems ridiculous and yet it's, it's what happened because God has a plan to send his servant to take our place. And our response, and the response that Isaiah continually called for from the people of, of God, was to be faithful, to have faith in the promises that God makes, that he will deliver on those promises. Have you ever dealt with a salesperson that promises you everything? Andrew's smiling because he used to be a salesperson. <laughs> they promise you everything and then you buy that product and it just doesn't work out that way. Let me tell you a story. Someone's already referred to my sporting new haircut. Well, a couple of years ago, a few years ago, I bought this, this new electric shaver. The salesperson assured me that if I spent the extra money that this shaver would be such a close shave that it would be so unirritating to shave with that it would just be a fantastic experience all round. And I believed him. 
And so I bought it. But it didn't work out that way at all. The shave wasn't close. I had to go over and over. And so it would be irritating and it would still be prickly. It was ridiculous. And then I was stuck with this thing. It's abs- there is absolutely no wonder why I grew a beard. <laughs> but it's not that way with God. If God says, Has, have hope, have hope. He means it. He will deliver on it. It's not, he's not a dodgy salesman. He's not you know, a politician that promises everything, delivers on nothing. He's not that kind of guy. If he says, have, have hope, we are to have hope. How quick is our willingness to trust a promise jaded by this world? My parents thought it would be a good idea to come to church tonight because it's my birthday. And um, something that my mother always said when we were children, she would never make promises to us out of fear that circumstances would be such that she wouldn't be able to deliver on these promises. I'm grateful that she made such a, a commitment because it meant that you know, I wasn't disappointed with what she might have said. But that's so often the way. You know, we hear promises left, right and centre and so often they're not delivered on. So often uh, we're left high and dry. We're left without hope. But as I said, this isn't the way with God. This isn't true of his promises. He delivers on them. He promises to be our father, to know us as a father loves his child, to know us as our father intimately, to know the details of our lives, to care about us. He promises to forgive us no matter what we've done, no matter what our past is, no matter what we might continue to do. He'll forgive us. He promises to provide for us. He tells us not to worry. He promises to give us eternal life. That he's defeated death. That Christ died in our place. He promises to give us a new body. To be raised with Jesus. And we can stand on these promises. Isaiah makes it very clear through the New Testament that when God makes a promise, he delivers on it. We can return to Isaiah's original message to have hope. There's hope for us in this life. So often we, we go about our lives and we, we get caught up in, in a rut, if you like. We lose hope. We lose sight of, of what's to come. You know, we have this incredible message, this incredible gospel, this good news, you know, that our life has been restored to us because of what Jesus did for us. And yet we forget about it. We We get caught up in the pressures of life, the pressures of this world. And Isaiah says to us, have hope. God says to us, have hope. 
God is walking this road with us. He's journeying with us. He won't desert us. He won't forget about us. He won't leave us high and dry. We have hope. Jesus gives us hope. You know, as we as we journey through life, when the when the troubles come our way, when the struggles seem too hard, when we have relationships that break down, when we find ourselves in financial hardship. You know, when work's getting tough, when we don't have time for our family, when we don't make time for our family, I should say, you know, we still have hope. We still have a life ahead of us in Christ. He dealt with our sin. You know, Paul writes that the wages of sin is death. It was our death. God has a plan for us. He's not going to leave us. He will deliver on his promises. A little later, we are going to take time to remember what Jesus did for us. We're going to gather around his table. And this is a really special time that we have each week. And I wonder, do we realise, or do we remember in this time and during the week that it was our place that he took? God sent his servant to come and to redeem uh, his people. To return them from a a life in exile. And and that's what what he did for us on the cross. He returns us to life with the Father. Restores us from our life in exile. An exile from, from our sin. Is that what we think about during the week? Is that what we spend time contemplating? It's not always for me. You know, I go through my week and it's so easy to lose sight of this. And yet, we have this incredible gift. We have a father that, you know, from the time when we were created, had a plan for us. That despite our sin, despite the poor choices, that despite the fact that we run from God, he draws us back to himself. You 
continues to give us second, third, fourth, fifth chances every time. This is the hope that we have. This is the hope that Isaiah came to give to God's people. A hope that we will be raised to life with Jesus. You know, we have so much in front of us now and and such an incredible message to share and yet there is so much still to come for us to have hope in. A new life, a life restored. So as we gather around the table in a moment, just remember that this was our death to die. This was you know, our place that Jesus took, that the servant took. You know, it was our body that was to be broken, our blood that was to be shed. And yet this was God's plan all along to send his son, to put his son to death in our place. so that we might have life and return to life uh, with the Father. We pray with me? Father, we, we thank you so much that you do give us hope. You know, we make mistakes each and every day. We run from you, and yet you call us back to yourself. Lord, you... You know us, you know each and every one of our failings. And yet you you wash us clean through Jesus. Lord, we thank you that, uh, we thank you so much that uh, you did have a plan, that you, from the beginning, uh, had a plan for us. And we can have hope and trust in that. Uh, You deliver on your promises that when you say something, it will happen. And that gives us hope. Lord, tonight as we, as we gather around your table, uh, I ask that you yeah, really reignite a fire in each of us that uh, burns uh, for your gospel and to share this in our communities. Lord, continue to walk with us as we go into our week. And hold us close to yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from City Light Church. We hope you found it helpful and we'd love for you to share this message with others. For more great content, more information about City Light Church, or to donate to the work of City Light Church, visit us online at www.citylight.church.